प्रथमम सद्गुरुम वंदे श्री कृष्णं तदनंतरम गुरु तस्मै तग्वं हेवत्मबुद्धि प्रकाशम मुमुक्षुर्वै शरणमहम प्रपद्ये Dear devotees, we'll have a few minutes of Nam Sankirtan. After that I'll begin today's topic. You can join me in doing Rup Dhyan, meditating on the beautiful form of Radha Krishna as we chant their divine names. Radhe Govinda, Radhe Govinda, Radhe Govinda, Govinda, Radhe Govinda. Radhe Govinda Govinda Radhe 
गोविंदाराधे गोविंदा गोविंदाराधे 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 गोविंदा गोविंदाराधे 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 गोविंदाराधे गोविंदा गोविंदाराधे
गोविंदा गोविंदा राधे गोविंदा राधे गोविंदा Radhe Radhe to everybody and welcome to the family camp, our annual winter family camp. The theme for this whole camp, both for the youth, the kids, and for us, the adults, is going to be character development according to the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita. Specifically according to the first three shlokas of the Gita. Now here in Radha Madhav Dham, we teach Raganuga Bhakti. We teach devotion to Radha Krishna. With one goal, to receive their divine vision. In the Bhagavatam it is said, Yat karma bhir yat tapasa jnana vairagya tashchayat yogena dana dharmena shreyo bhiritarairapi Whatever benefits you can get from any other type of spiritual practice accrue to you automatically if you practice bhakti to Shri Krishna. Automatically, you don't have to add any other practices. Don't need to supplement it with anything. Just do bhakti to Radha Krishna. You get the effect of, and this is Sri Krishna's own words in the Bhagavatam. He says you get the effect of karma, whatever good actions you would do, and, and the fruit of those good actions that would accrue to you, you get that automatically by doing bhakti. Tap do some great austerities. Again, you get those results automatically through bhakti. Jnana, vairagya, yoga, all these great practices which are very arduous, don't need to do those. Just do bhakti to Shri Krishna. You get the results automatically of all those. Dan, yagya, all other great actions and formalities recommended by the Vedas, as being a great part of our dharma, yet nonetheless superfluous in the face of bhakti. In addition to this, it is said in the Ramayana, 
एक व्याधि वश नर मरही ये असाध्य बहुव्याधि Each one of us is suffering from innumerable mental problems, illnesses, Tulsi Lasji is saying. Things like anger, jealousy, hatred, all the emotional and mental afflictions that each and every person suffers from. We all have them. Someone may say, no, no, I don't. No, if you're under maya, you have them. Maya is the cosmic power, the cosmic energy that this whole universe is made of. And even our mind is made of Maya. And Maya has both good qualities and bad qualities inborn, inherent to this energy. So since our mind is made of Maya, it, it has good qualities as well, but it also has all the bad qualities. So until someone is free from maya, they have all of these bad qualities. How to remove them? Nema dharma achara tap yoga yagya japa dana Bheshaj punikotina kariya rujna jahi hariyana Tulsidas Ji says, all these great practices told in our scriptures, isn't this feeding back? All these great practices told in our scriptures, like dharma, uh, doing good actions, doing yoga, following the path of jnana, doing great charity. These are, are highly recommended actions and practices, and yet... Tulsidas Ji says they are ineffective in removing these mental afflictions that we all have. There's only one cure. Raghupati bhakti sajivan muri. Bhakti is the only cure. Because you have to clean this in here. Our antahkarana, our mind has to be cleaned, purified. The more the mind purifies, the more all these defilements or negativities of the mind reduce. And Sri Krishna also adds in the Bhagavatam, Nasamyak prapunatihi, all these other practices, they lack the power to purify one's heart fully. There's only one thing that has that kind of power, bhakti. So when bhakti has this kind of power to purify our heart 100% and by practicing bhakti, bhakti meaning devotion, by practicing devotion to Radha Krishna, we will automatically develop all the good qualities in our mind and automatically reduce the bad qualities. Then what is the need for going over these qualities one by one? Someone may ask. That in the first three shlokas of the of the sixteenth chapter of the Gita, Sri Krishna names twenty six virtues of the human character, which he considers to be daivi gunas, meaning godly virtues. Godly meaning related to God, because anything good is related to God. He says. 
द्वौभूत सर्गौ लोकेस्मिन दैव आसुर एवच there are two types of natures that reside within every person in this world daivi nature and asuri nature daivi gunas and asuri gunas meaning godly qualities and bad qualities they both reside in each one of us and this in the whole 16th chapter he gives quite some detail about all the good qualities as well as all the bad qualities so we're focusing on these 26 daivi gunas or this daivi sampatti he calls it's like a wealth of virtues and he says that in fact a person is born with it he says abhijatasya ओनिसमाई that you get to take with you that that's the only uh, accumulation of wealth that you get to take with you into your next life you don't get to take your bank account that goes wherever your will says it will go but it doesn't go with you we don't get to keep this body if we could do that we would probably find a way to keep our wealth with us as well diamonds is the most efficient way to store wealth right so a bunch of little diamonds just get a surgeon to insert them beneath our skin before we die and we'll take them with us or if we could remember our previous lifetimes then we just withdraw all of our cash before we died and bury it in a chest somewhere and go and dig it up in our next life but god knew that you know how his children are so in order to make them have to deal with this fact that whatever wealth they accumulate is not going with them into their next life so at least will remain somewhat sane in terms of the accumulation of money imagine if we knew we could keep it we would never think of anything else but there is one thing we do get to keep that is the the virtues in our character that we've developed in our previous lifetimes those follow us forward as do the bad qualities both of them whichever ones we develop that those are prominent in our personality right from the start in this life you see it in your children then our job is within ourselves to try to develop the good qualities and reduce the bad qualities and also within our children to do the same knowing that they come with and we come with our own pre-existing status and then we have to work with that and try to improve now again why do we need to study these character virtues individually when all we have to do is bhakti in order to develop the good qualities and reduce the bad qualities because along the way we require some outer effort as well to improve our behavior see bhakti 
begins the the improvement process from within. It begins purifying the heart because bhakti is done with the mind. So your mind is attached to Krishna, thus your mind is getting purified. So from inside, gradually these virtues are developing, but it's not instantaneous. In the meantime, while we're waiting for all of these virtues to develop, we still have to interact with each other, don't we? We still have to live in this world. We affect the people around us through our behavior. So even though, yes, from inside automatically, all these good things are gradually evolving, but it's a slow process. Now to complement this process, if we also try to become more aware of our shortcomings in our personality, our, our character flaws, and give some effort to, to trying to um, exhibit the qualities, the good qualities in our behavior, then it will complement our devotion. For one thing, we won't, we won't disturb others as much. Because if we're not controlling our behavior, then we disturb other people. That disturbs their devotion, becomes an obstacle in their devotion. That becomes disturbing for us. So really the two go hand in hand. This is why we're going to study this this week. Plus, by examining some of these qualities, we can also see how to apply this just in devotion. Some of these qualities will help us be, get more benefit or be able to progress more swiftly on the path of bhakti. And we can look at each of these qualities from two perspectives. One from this perspective that, okay, since I'm doing bhakti, this quality or the development of this quality is like a landmark. So if I notice this quality developing, this is a good sign that I'm making progress on the path. That's one perspective. And the other perspective is that we just need to look at this quality and see, do I lack this quality in my personality and what can I do to try to improve that situation? So we're going to look at a few of these each night. Tonight, we'll start with the first shloka. Abhayam sattva sanshuddhir jnana yoga vyavasthiti danam damascha yagyascha the kids are going to be able to recite these by the end of the week too, hopefully. I'm not going to take them exactly in order. I'm going to group them in related virtues, which will allow me to cover all of them in the few days that we have here. So I'm going to start with a couple general ones. The first one is a very general virtue. Shri Krishna says, Sattva Sanshuddhi. Sattva. This is one of the qualities of Maya. And Sanshuddhi means purity. This means maintaining, developing and maintaining the Sattva Guna, the Sattvic quality in our mind. There are three qualities in Maya. 
अजोह्येकोजुषमाणोनुषेतेजहात्येनाभुक्तभोगामजोन्यश्वेताश्वत्रोपनिषद्स there are three qualities in maya inborn in maya same thing the gita says satvam rajas tam iti guna prakriti sambhava satva raj tam satva is the good quality pure pious raj is not good but not bad it's in between we sometimes call it the selfish quality and tam is the bad quality destructive impure impious all three qualities reside within our mind because these are inborn qualities of maya like this shawl is made of thread so you can say oh yes the shawl is made of thread as if the shawl and the thread are two different things they're not two different things the shawl is the thread woven into a pattern into a fabric similarly maya or the this material energy that the whole world is made of maya is not made of these three qualities satvarajtam it is those three qualities so everything made of maya is made of these three qualities that means the whole physical universe and our mind our soul is not made of maya so it is it it has no inherent satvarajtam and has divine qualities but our mind has inherently satvarajtam shri krishna is saying develop satvagun these three qualities are like three wrestlers in our mind our mind is like a wrestling ring and the three wrestlers are constantly jostle they're they're vying for supremacy they're fighting each other you experience that in your mind when the satvic quality becomes predominant in your mind raj and tam become suppressed like that satvic wrestler he beat down the other two now they're quiet when the satvic quality is predominant in the mind then all the spiritual qualities are seen in a person's attitude that uh, they're kind forgiving peaceful all of these qualities are seen in a person's behavior when rajas quality predominates then a person is much more stressful ambitious passionately trying to enjoy the objects of the senses or the objects of the world through their five senses and when the tamas quality is more predominant then we either feel very lazy and apathetic or maybe even destructive towards others or towards ourselves shri krishna says develop the sattvic quality that's on us although it's partly influenced by our sanskars because whatever we did in our last life that carries forth into this life 
And then our sanskars, which are the subtle imprints left by those past lives, actions and thoughts. Those sanskars come and reflect into our conscious mind in this life and affect the tendencies of our thinking and feelings. So we have to deal with these sanskars, yet just because a tamas or rajas sanskar is affecting your mind, it's not an excuse to say, oh, okay, I'll just go in that direction. We have to make effort to develop the sattvic quality of our mind. Now, this is a very general statement because all of the qualities to follow are all sattvic. So Sri Krishna is saying, develop sattvagun in your mind, maintain it, and then he goes on to just become more specific and say, develop this quality and this quality and this quality. So let's set aside this first virtue, which is maintaining sattvagun in the mind. Go on to the next one, which will help us with this first one. Jnana yoga vyavasthiti, which is a long way of saying keeping the devotional knowledge in your mind. What we call tattva jnana. means the knowledge required for your spiritual progress. What understanding do you need? Simple things like who are you? You are the soul. You are not your body and you are not even your mind. You are the soul. And the soul is divine. And the soul belongs to God, is related to God. God is absolute goodness, absolute perfection, divine bliss. So that's what you want. You want divine bliss, divine knowledge. This is basic knowledge, basic tattvagyan. There are other parts to the philosophy that we add in, but that's the foundation. Sri Krishna says, keeping that knowledge in your mind is a daivigun. It's a good virtue. This is an important point to emphasize. Keeping it in your mind means, you see, to keep it in our mind, we have to review it, think about it again and again. There's a, a common story told in India that one time a, a father and son, they used to keep a business selling uh, clothes, saris, etc. But the father was a little bit distressed because his son never went to the temple. He never went to listen to any religious discourses. So he feared that you know, maybe he doesn't believe in God, this isn't a good thing. So he told him, you should go to the temple and you should go and listen to the discourses. So that night, his son went and he listened and the discourse was all about truthfulness. And part of that was hearing the story of Harishchandra. So the son took everything that was said to heart and uh, the next day, while he was there in, in his father's shop, whenever a customer would come in, he would explain to them the whole breakdown. Okay, here's how much we paid for this sari. <laughs> here's how much we're charging you for it. <laughs> here's our overhead. You know, all the whole thing. Gave him the whole picture. 
his father's astounded listening to his son that what what is the matter with him today is he trying to put me out of business we're never going to make any profit like this so he's he thought better to send him home i'll find out what's going on with him later so he just told him look go go home to your mother let me handle the shop today and when he got back later in the afternoon he asked him what were you doing have you lost your mind So his son told him that father I heard this whole katha last night about Harishchandra and truthfulness and you told me to go and listen so I just implemented it in my life. So he said oh my son don't you know you have to have a certain you have to understand the process of listening to these things. There's a skill to listening. See what you do is you sit there and whatever the person is telling you you just collect it all like this all the good things he's telling you you collect it all keep nodding your head oh yes but then when you get up to leave you just go like this <laughs> so in other words it's like in one ear and out the other we never get the chance to implement it in our life so shri krishna says no no you keep the knowledge in your mind If we don't keep the knowledge in our mind what what is the use of it that knowledge is our best defense against our own mistakes we make mistakes when we forget the knowledge for instance another simple fact of tatvagyan god is everywhere we're never alone but when do we do wrong things when no human is watching us then we feel free to do whatever we want in other words we've forgotten the simple fact that god is also with us he's also watching and he's going to give us the consequences for all of our actions so it's like a person who gets a license for a handgun because maybe they live in a dangerous place and they keep that handgun with them they have all the training So if he's ever threatened he's going to pull out his handgun and if not fire it at least frighten the person and protect himself. So one night he's walking and a mugger comes and attacks him and beats him and takes off with his wallet and his cell phone. And he gets home and his brother says to him, "What? Didn't you I thought you carried a gun for protection?" He said, Oh, I forgot. It was in my pocket. That's how we are many times with spiritual knowledge. When we need it most, we forget about it. When anger is coming and overwhelming us, that's when or even before that happens when someone has wronged us, done something offensive to us, at that moment that's when we need our tatvagyan. so that that wave of anger which is about to wash over us <laughs> we stem that tide and hold that back oh that's only possible with spiritual knowledge well, one of shri krishna's qualities we'll get to later is akrod <laughs> being free from anger so one of the things that can help us control that anger is remembering god is also within this person who has offended me that's one thing second thing i'm trying to bring god into my heart and now i'm about to chase him away because if i bring anger in that means i threw god out they can't both be in the same place 
But we forget that tatwagyan, we get angry and we regret the harsh words we spoke and maybe even find out that the person didn't even mean any harm later on or there was a reason for their behavior. But it's too late. The damage is done. Now we have to apologize and we spent the last three days burning in here because of that. Because we forgot our tatwagyan. There's a story of a pandit ji who didn't forget his tatwagyan. Initially he did, but he remembered it when he needed it most. He had to get his daughter married and he didn't have the money to pay for the marriage. So he thought, oh my king, Raja Bhoj, he has more than enough. And I'm very intelligent. So even though he has great security around his palace, I'm going to find a way in there tonight and I'm going to steal whatever I need to pay for this wedding. So he snuck in and somehow got past the guards, and the king was asleep. All was quiet and dark in the palace, and he crept around, and he found lots of valuables. But the problem was that Panditji was very well versed in the Vedas, the Vidhi Nished of the Vedas. Vidhi means do's, and Nished means prohibitions, don'ts. And he also knew, according to Vedas, if you do a prohibited thing, what would be the, the punishment or the, the karmic result in your next life? He knew all of that. So, for instance, he started by trying to pick up a golden vase. And then he remembered, oh, if I steal gold, I get that punishment in my next life. He put it down. Then he reached for something silver, picked that up and remembered the punishment for silver. I don't want that to happen to me. Put that back down. Found something diamond, a diamond necklace. Thought this will more than pay. Then he remembered the punishment for stealing diamonds and he put that down. He spent the whole night creeping around the palace in this way, unable to put even a single thing into his duffel bag that he had brought with him. In this way, morning kind of caught him off guard because he was still unable to steal anything. And it so happened he was in the king's bedroom when morning came. And when dawn broke, into the king's bedroom burst this whole team of servants to wake up the king. This is how the king awoke every morning. He was basically serenaded by beautiful music and offered all kinds of delicacies and this is how the king was awakened with uh, elephants trumpeting and horses neighing in the courtyard so the panditji quickly hid under the bed before he was caught and the king awoke and was feeling particularly fortunate that day and knowing a little bit of sanskrit he sang about his good fortune Cheto hara yuvataya suhrido nukula sadbandhava punaragar bhagirascha bhritya valganti danti nivahas taralas turanga. He just left it three quarters finished. Most shlokes like this have four quarters. He only said the first three parts. In essence, he was saying, oh, look at my life. It's so great. I have these beautiful servants waiting on me. There are horses neighing and 
elephants trumpeting to wake me up. All of my subjects are favorable towards me. I have a beautiful family. They love me very much. I have everything someone could want. Now, Panditji, who was under the bed, couldn't help himself for two reasons. Number one, he had left that shlok unfinished. Number two, he felt that he had to give some tatvagyan to the king. So from under the bed, he sang, Sammilane nayanayor nahikinchidasti, which means, O oh king, don't you know? When you close your eyes for the last time, never to open them again, all of this stays here and you go on alone. The king was startled. He had heard about in the scriptures, Akashvarni, that sometimes a voice from the sky could give instructions, but he had never heard of Patalvarni <laughs> coming from beneath the earth. So the guards quickly looked under the bed and pulled out Panditji. But the king, aside from being startled, was also very touched by Panditji's words and he understood the great knowledge that Panditji was giving him. So he asked him to explain himself. <laughs> what are you? First of all, thank you for the teachings. And by the way, what are you doing under my bed? <laughs> so Panditji explained the whole thing to him. He didn't hold anything back. He told him why he had come. He told him how he spent the whole night and why he had been unable to steal anything. So the king was, again, further impressed that, look... Here is someone who actually applied the knowledge at the time it was needed until of remem- instead of remembering later and regretting. So for this reason, the founder of our ashram, Jagat Guru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj, he always says, you have to listen to the knowledge again and again and again. Even the most simple knowledge, you have to hear it over and over again because our nature is to be careless. Plus, we have very busy, distracted lives. So we have to keep hearing this tatvagyan again and again, and, and then also try to do manan of it. Think about it throughout the day, and then also apply it where it is needed. So this is what Sri Krishna is saying, jnana yoga vyavasthiti. We have to keep this spiritual knowledge in our minds. So, for this reason, he also calls Swadhyaya, study of this knowledge, study of our Vedic philosophy, is also a Daivi Guna, a good character virtue. Keep in mind, however, that despite the fact that our Vedas, Gita, Puranas, Ramayan, Bhagavatam, Puran, all, all of these are like an ocean of knowledge. Yet we still have to be careful the way we study them. All of these scriptures have a qualification. And that qualification to be able to study them, for all of them to actually be able to study them and correctly understand them, the qualification is the same. You have to be a God-realized saint. So on one hand, Sri Krishna is saying swadhyay, <laughs> means study the, the philosophy. And, on, and he's provided all of that knowledge in the form of Vedas, Gita, etc. 
Yet, on the other hand, the qualification to correctly understand the philosophy, if one were to actually go and read Vedas or read Gita on one's own, to actually understand the correct philosophy as it is meant, one with a material mind cannot do it. You have to have a divine mind. Then what does he mean by swadhyay? It means we have, we have to get some help in order to understand all of this. Acharyavan purusho hi veda. Our Vedas themselves say, mm, you need the help of an acharya. Acharya means a, a true divine saint with a divine mind who can teach us what Vedas mean, what Gita means, what Bhagavatam and Ramayan mean. Without such help, we would only get more and more confused. Shruti Puran Kahu Baheu Upai Tulsidas Ji says, Shruti meaning Vedas and Puranas, they tell so many different practices and paths and philosophies that if you study it on your own, You'll become more and more entangled in all the apparent contradictions of this amazing philosophy because it's a very high philosophy which is difficult to understand on one's own. So the correct way to study it is with the help of a qualified teacher, a divine saint. Although certainly people derive inspiration from reading Gita. I know many people who read Gita and they feel inspired reading Gita. They feel Gita is a great treasure of Sanatan Dharma. But the same people also admit that every time I read it, I read the same shloka and I understand it differently than I did last time. That in itself is evidence that it wasn't correctly understood. <laughs> it would have one meaning, the correct meaning. So certainly we can derive inspiration, but if we wish to understand it correctly, we have to have correct guidance. One may read the Leelas of the Ramayan, Ram's Leelas, the Leelas of Bhagavatam, Sri Krishna's Leelas, and immerse our mind in their divine pastimes. This is a way of doing bhakti. But immersing our mind in the Leelas is one thing, Trying to actually understand the philosophy revealed in those same scriptures is another thing. So we just have to keep that in mind. Sri Krishna is saying we have to study, but we have to get it from the right source, with the right help to understand. He also mentions a few more that we'll cover tonight in one group. Abhayam, Tejah, and Dhriti. Abhai means fearlessness. Tej means a bright, energetic quality or a positive attitude. And dhriti means perseverance or patience. These are three qualities which Sri Krishna calls daivigun, and they are also three qualities which can help us on our devotional path. 
abhayam, being fearless. Now, normally, a person doesn't think about fearlessness as having anything to do with devotion. In fact, unless someone is involved in, in a risky profession like being a police officer or serving in the armed forces, most people don't think that being brave or being courageous or being fearless is, is even a quality that is relevant in their life. But there's not only face in the fear of physical, there, there's not only bravery in the face of physical danger. There's another kind of perceived danger, which we face every day, which every single person faces. That is the fear of failure, the fear of being embarrassed, the fear of appearing incompetent. We all have this fear. And this can be a paralyzing fear. Whether it's, you know, we're assigned a task at work or we have something, you know, a student has some daunting project that they have to undertake. And the first thing we think is, what if I fail? What if I get it wrong? Boss has assigned something to me and said, you know, give me a general idea and said, now you, I want you to Take this project forward. Do the best you can. And our first thought is, what if he doesn't like what I come up with? That's our first thought. In other words, we're paralyzed right from the beginning. It's not a helpful emotion. It doesn't, that, that fear doesn't help us do a good job. It prevents us from even giving our best effort. See, in general, fear is there naturally. Being fearless is a very advanced stage of devotion. But at least we can learn to recognize when we're feeling that fear, understand why we're feeling that fear, and then try to overcome it. Anyway, they say bravery is not being fearless. It's acting in the face of fear. So sure, the fear is there, I may fail. Okay, I may fail, that's a possibility, but dwelling on that point is not going to help me succeed. And anyway, if you look from a larger perspective, look back at your whole life. Success and failure at the end of your project or undertaking. Once, you once you're five or ten years removed from that and you look back, the success or failure no longer seems as important as what you learned along the way or how your character developed through that undertaking. That becomes more important because that led you to other things, led you to other successes later in life. So this whole idea of failure and success that we become fixated on ends up paralyzing us and preventing us from actually giving our best effort. If we can just become calm and say, you know what, this is required of me, I have to do this, I'm going to do my best. Karmanevadhikaraste ma phaleshu kadachana Shri Krishna says in the second chapter of the Gita, you just do the karma, you do the action. The success or failure is rarely in your hands anyway. <laughs> 
Many times it may be controlled by other factors out of your hands. So you just give your best. If you fail, that's only the thing that happened at the very end, right? We call that a failure. That was only the very last thing. What did you do along the way? And what happened in here along the way? See, that's more important. That thing you got at the end, success or failure, that's just a material thing. What was happening in here every step of the way? What character development happened every step of the way? How much were you remembering God every step of the way? That's what actually develops, right? That's like a a capital that you're developing as, as you're going through that. And then at the end, oh, I succeeded or I failed. By the way, <laughs> incidentally, it's actually not as important. It seems important to us because we're more short-sighted, but that success or failure actually doesn't impact our lives as much as what happens in here while we're striving to accomplish that task. So becoming fearless is a quality we should think about and try to develop. And related to this is this attitude which Sri Krishna refers to with the word tej. You all know this type of person, the person who has a positive outlook, a, po- a good attitude, you would say. They're energetic. That's tej. Tej is like the sun shining. Right, So obviously this is a good quality. And this quality ends... See, these, these different qualities are interrelated. So fear, too much fear can dampen that tej. So maybe you're, you have a very positive attitude, a lot of energy, and then you're given this project and you feel like, oh, no, I can't do that. And your tej... Was just it was called dabadia. It was covered. The third quality comes into play: driti. Driti means perseverance, patience. When you have a big goal in mind, something you're trying to accomplish, whether you're in seventh grade and you're thinking I want to get into Harvard, or you're a devotee and you're thinking, I want to become God-realized, whatever it may be, we all have big goals in our life. And oftentimes those goals seem very, very distant. And if we only think about how far we've got to go, it can be daunting. It can can give us the feeling that, no, I can't do it. It's too far for me to go. It's too much. That's when we need this dhriti. Dhriti means the determination to keep putting one foot in front of the other. An example that I learned in this regard when I was still a teenager was the first time I got to go rock climbing. When you stand at the bottom of that vertical rock, that vertical cliff for the first time, and you have no experience doing that, Someone ties a rope to you and says, okay, I've got you, you're safe. <laughs> now, now climb. Okay, even if you believe that he's got you and you're not going to die if you fall, you still look at this vertical rock face and you think, there's no way I'm going to get all the way up there. It's impossible. 
But then someone says to you, no, 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 do you see right in front of you here? See that bulge in the rock? You can hold that with that hand. And see over here there's a crack? Hold that. with a, And see there's a little ledge, you can put your one foot there and another one. So now you're on the rock. Yeah, you're holding on. Okay, now what do I do? What do you mean? Now look for the next one. That's it. Okay, so move your foot there and move your hand there. And, and just like that, see, you can't look up. If you're looking up, I'll never make it. But you oh, I can hold on here. Okay, and then I can move my hand here. Okay, and I, you just keep doing it. And before you know it, you're at the top. So in other words, you go as far as you can see and then you'll see further. You can't see all the way to the end, but you can see a little ways. Okay, so at least go that little ways. Don't say, oh, I can't see till the end. I'll never make it. Yeah, but you can see this far. So at least go that far and see what happens. This is dhriti. It's a great quality if you want to accomplish anything in the material world. And I would say it's a strong requirement for progress in devotion as well. Because we all have a long way to go in devotion. All of us. But if we think of it that way, we don't, we don't have a, a positive attitude. A lot, I hear from many, many people that, oh, God realization must be possible for other people, but not for me. How could I do it? It's such a lofty goal. We're all souls. We're, we're all the same. We can all do it. It's just a matter of wherever you... Don't worry about where you are. Just look in front of you and make that next step and the next step after that and eventually you'll get there. One time a man came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji who was very critical of him. He had been going around telling people bad things about him and then one day he felt badly about that. So he, met, he went to Mahaprabhuji himself and he admitted his fault. And Mahaprabhuji said, don't worry, it's fine. And the man also asked, you know, can, can someone like me become God-realized? Mahaprabhuji said, you sure? Why not? He said, how long will it take? He pointed to a tree, a big tree that had thousands of leaves on it. And he said, it will take you as many lifetimes as there are leaves on that tree. And the man was very happy. Oh, really? Because it's a limited number of leaves on the tree. Even if it's a thousand lives or a hundred thousand lives, he says, that's fine. I'll just keep going until I get there. So Mahaprabhuji, seeing the man's positive attitude and his faith in his words, he said, actually, you could become God-realized in one lifetime with this kind of attitude. And the man was again so happy and Mahaprabhuji said, you could become God-realized in this very life. So it's up to us. It depends on our attitude. You just keep moving forward and see what happens. If you're making progress in the right direction, what does it matter how long it takes? You're getting the benefit, you're seeing internal progress, the daivi gunas are increasing, the asuri gunas are reducing, your bhav for Radha Krishna is increasing. As long as that's happening, what does it matter how much longer it takes? Just keep going in the correct direction. 
So from tomorrow, we'll look at another five or six or seven of these gunas, and we'll go forward for, this will be a four-day pravachan, and on the final day of the camp, you'll hear from Divakri Didi. Puliye Vrindavan Bihari Lal Ki Puliye Vrindavan Bihari Lal Ki